I won't forget it, and I'm sure my dad never will. It was about 30 years ago. It was on the country back roads between Marion and Peabody, if you're familiar with that area of Kansas. And my dad and I had switched positions. We were in different places in that old 72 Galaxy uh, with the 351 Windsor underneath the hood. As a 14-year-old, I didn't exactly know what all that meant, nor how much power was underneath the hood, but Dad was doing his best to teach me how to drive. And so as we meandered on those old country roads, uh, he would tell me to turn here and go here, and he would practice having me speed up and brake, and you know, doing that on country roads is precarious if you're not careful. We came to one corner, and I don't exactly know what happened. I don't remember in my mind, but I was going straight. Dad said, you're going to turn left up here. I turned left, but the car went in another direction. Those old 72 Galaxies were rear-wheel drive cars. All the power was at the rear. I apparently pressed the accelerator just a smidge too hard, and I came around in a cloud of dust, ended up 180 degrees off where I should be, just in the ditch, Scared to death, heart racing, full of adrenaline, gripping the steering wheel. And as a cloud of dust, we both sat there. I looked over at my dad, who had a strange kind of look that I can only appreciate as a father. He said... Are you okay? Okay. I just, your dad needs a minute here. Because, son, I love you so much. But never have I ever wanted to kill you so badly. (laughs) How do you tell someone you love so much something that's hard? How do you tell someone you love so much something? How do you correct them? How do you rebuke them? How do you admonish them in a way that doesn't discourage their spirits, but that does tell them what they need to be told? If you've ever experienced that, you're familiar with the attitude and the heart behind the Apostle Paul when he writes the letter that we call 1 Corinthians. Uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to that uh, book, what we call a book, which was initially a letter. Guys, if you'll bring the notes, that'll be helpful. As we go to this letter, we understand that Paul was writing to a group of people whom he loved so deeply and so dearly, but he was going to have to tell them some hard things because they weren't acting like a church should. They weren't behaving like a church should. You, you read through the book of First Corinthians, and it's an A to Z list of every kind of possible church problem you could have. Disunity, dysfunction, sexual immorality, people getting into tribes. I follow Paul and I follow Apollos. You should have seen the Lord's Supper. It was a monstrosity. And Paul's having to write 
to this people whom he loves some very hard things. And so he does, he takes them head on. If he were doing battling, battling with Satan, he would be jab, jab, jab. And then in chapter 15, Paul throws the right hook, reminding the church at Corinth of the reason for the hope that they have, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Corinth was a religious town, lots of religion going on, but Christianity was a new thing, and the resurrection was something entirely different. And so he, as he draws this letter to a close, tells them what they really need to hear, what they really need to be reminded of. For as much as they struggled, for as much as they sinned, for as much as they had deviated from the gospel, Paul still loved them. And he wanted to remind them of who they were in Christ, of the resurrection of their Savior, of the resurrection hope that they had in Christ, and of the resurrection body that they would be promised one day if they would stay faithful to the Lord. In this chapter, toward the end, we're going to look at one verse that's sort of going to be the theme for 2023. It's the, it's the right hook, if you will, of the right hook. It's, it's where Paul's going to finish strong after he's talked about resurrection and the hope that they have. And it's in verse 58 of 1 Corinthians. If you are in your Bible, I hope you, that you're there. If you don't have your Bible, you don't know where that is, you can turn there or you can look at the slide. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. It's page 1,233 in that pew Bible. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now, when we start by looking at this verse, I want to Pay attention to the first part. First, he says, therefore. If you heard ever a textual class, you know that the word therefore means you pay attention to what came before. And so we've already talked about the whole the resurrection because of the hope that we have. And Paul's saying, since death is defeated, since Jesus was resurrected, since we in Christ will be resurrected, he says, my beloved brothers... And I love this. This Paul addresses them as family. In fact, I was doing some research on this subject. Paul uses the term brothers in the letter of 1 Corinthians more than any other letter he writes. Why does he do that? Because he's appealing to them on a familial level. He's saying, brothers... Remember, remembering that we in Christ are family. Sometimes I'll come up and say, good morning, family. That's, that's not just a cliche. That's to remind us that no matter who you are or where you are or how long you've been a Christian, whether one day or decades, we in Christ are family. This is what Paul will say. Brothers in, in the midst of admonition. Brothers in the midst of rebuke. Brothers in the midst of calling them to unity. Brothers in the midst of telling them hard, hard truths. 
such as, you should kick that brother out so that you might save him. Brothers, he's appealing to them as family. He's correcting, he's rebuking, he's admonishing them in love. Therefore, my beloved brothers. And then he gives a two-fold challenge. And this two-fold challenge is, is if that's going to be our two-fold focus for the rest of 2023. And it's this. Number one, be anchored in God's ways. Paul writes, be steadfast, immovable. The word there means unwavering, constant, firm, resolute, unswerving and steady. Paul is indeed calling them to be grounded in the things that do not change. As Brother Jim talked about this morning, the fundamentals, which don't change. Paul's calling them. And by the way, there's a reason that we read it in our New Testament today because the Holy Spirit is calling us to stay grounded in the fundamentals that do not change. In a world that's ever-changing, I was talking to a sister this morning, and we were talking about how much and how fast the world around us has changed. Just imagine how much has changed in the past five years, how far it's come in the past ten years, and you start to extrapolate and think forward, how far will it go in the next five years, in the next ten years? And Paul not only speaks to them, but to us and says, be steadfast, be immovable. In what? In the hope, in the fundamentals, in the things that do not change. The hope of the gospel. That's the mission of the church. To, to, to remind people that no matter how bad they are or how good they are or appear to be, they all of us need Christ. The fundamentals like the power of the word, matters of doctrine and teaching. It's amazing to me, churches, how, how far they are, they are adrift from the anchor and how fast that seems to be happening. These are the fundamentals, the lordship of Christ, the inerrancy of the scriptures, the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the help that he gives us. So we're going to talk about the fundamentals, the things that do not change this year. Why? Because you don't know them? Well, maybe. Maybe you're new enough. Maybe you're not even a Christian. Maybe you've come to us in the past two or three years, and you, have, you are like a young Toby Levering who sat in the pews as a 12-year-old at the Emporia Avenue Church of Christ, and he knew nothing. And so I'm so thankful that I had teachers like Clifford Payne and Mark Hass and Bruce Dimmick, who taught Toby Levering the fundamentals, the things which do not change. But maybe you're a Christian who've been for, Christian for decades. You say, I know this already. Good. It's good to be reminded so that the ship stays anchored so that we do not drift from the fundamentals. The world, you see, is adrift. It always has been. You think it's bad now, but it's always been bad. The world apart from Christ is eternally lost and adrift in a sea of nothingness and emptiness and sin and wickedness. And so the hope of the church is to call people back 
to the safety of the gospel. So may we as a family stay anchored in God's ways. Then look what he writes next. He says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And this is important to remember. God never changes. But God does not remain stagnant. Some places talk about never changing, and and they think that means we change nothing. But that's not even within the nature of God. Think about everything that he's created. We have four seasons. Since Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, God promised four seasons over and over and again. No matter what happens, no matter what we go through, we're going to have four seasons on the earth. That's a promise. Have we ever had... The same kind of spring in Kansas? Have we ever had the same kind of winter in Wichita? It's always different. It's the same winter, but it looks a little different. In a couple of months here, when I know you don't believe it's coming, but it is, but, but the trees will start to bud and the flowers will start to bloom and the birds will start to sing again, but it'll be a little different than last spring. You see, God's fundamentally never changes, but his ways constantly are. He is not a stagnant God. Let me give you an illustration. Even even church is the same, but it's different. This building, I believe we moved in on Mother's Day 1997. I'm looking at my Northside historian, Steve Tandy. He says that is correct, so that is correct. Mother's Day, 1997. So nearly 25, uh, 26 years ago. I want to ask you, if you were here on Mother's Day, 1997, as we moved into this building, would you stand right now? Now, if you look around, you think, that's not a very big group. Oh, the group was much larger, but some... Oh, stay standing, stay standing, because we need you all standing. I know some of you are uncomfortable, you don't like... So that's not... We're not a standing group. I've got it. 20, 25, six years ago, these are the ones that remain of that group. That's an illustration of how the church, even here at Northside, is the same, and yet the church is always changing. So if you came to Northside... After Mother's Day of 1997, would you stand up? You see, and you're welcome for the seventh inning stretch. You're welcome. (laughs) You see, the church is always the same, but the church is always growing. Some of them have gone on to their reward. Some of them have left. Some of them have moved Some new people have come in. That's the way it's going to be 25 years from now. You can be seated. The nature of God is that he is always the same. And yet, at the same time, he's always changing his methods. Not his nature, but how he he works and how it manifests. Even you. Even you. When, When you... When you were born, when you came into this world, when you were just breathing your first few breaths of air, in theory, you're still the same person, 
but you understand you're radically different than that one day old. But you still have the same DNA. You still have the same fingerprints. You probably have the same eye color. And for some of you, you have the exact same amount of hair. But it's... But you've grown, you've changed. And this is what Paul says when he says to the church at Corinth, be always abounding. Don't get stuck and stagnant. Don't wallow in the muck of the same. But continue to always abound in the work of the Lord. What's Know Your Bible going to look like in 25 years? What's the women's conference going to look like in 25 years? Who's the preacher going to be in 25 years? Who's the song leader going to be in 25 years? Jace will be about 30 at that point. <laughs> we see, that was, a, that was a compliment, okay? I got bad news for you, Yakely, on 25 years. The point is, Getting off script here, aren't I? The point is, God is not stagnant. His ways are not stagnant. And he doesn't want us to be stagnant. Flip in your Bibles to John chapter 10. Real quick, John chapter 10. And I want to remind you of a promise that Jesus had for us. John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said... The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. God's not stagnant and Jesus didn't call us in Christ to be stagnant, but rather to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. So in 2023, I want you to think about this. God, God didn't make you. God didn't create you for your plans. At the beginning of the year, it's all popular to think about what you want to do, what your plans are, what your dreams are, what the things you are want to do. What if God has different plans for you? I can guarantee you he almost certainly does. And if I can tell you a hard thing, it's that his plans are far better than yours. And that's why he created you. He didn't create you for your plans. He created you for his plans, for his purposes. He gave you a light to shine, and he wants you to use it to glorify God. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse, uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 is Jesus telling us in a familiar way, almost so familiar that sometimes we forget. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Now, some people stop right there. Let your light shine so they can see your good works. That's not all Jesus said. He said this, let your light shine that they may see your good works so that they may give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I'm not sure what mission is on your heart these days. I'm not sure what ministry you have. I'm not sure what purposes God has put in your heart and on your mind. But he did that, not for your glory, but for his. Turn to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, 
book of Ephesians, another letter. Now, this was also to a beloved church. Ephesus didn't have quite the problems that Corinth did. And this short little book, Paul packs a lot in. The first three chapters are doctrine. The last three chapters are very practical. In Ephesians chapter 2, he reminds them of this fundamental truth. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. But note this, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God had plans that are greater than your plans, and he has purposes that are greater than your purposes, and one of those is that you were created for good works which God had in mind before you were ever a thought. And finally, you were given gifts. You were given a light to shine. You were given, you were created for good works, and you were given gifts to serve other people. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, if you're following along in your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, page 1,298. Peter writes, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You were given a light to shine. You created four good works, and you were given gifts so that you might use them to serve others. And I don't know what that's going to look like. In some ways, that's going to look like here at Northside. Well, we want you not just to be an audience, but to be an army of servants, to be a people who are on mission, not to glorify themselves, but to glorify him. Let me give you an example. You've probably seen it a ton of times this week, but stay with me. On Monday night of this week, an awful and awesome thing happened at the same time. On Monday night, the Buffalo Bills were playing the Cincinnati Bengals. When 24-year-old Damar Hamlin, in a routine tackle, suffered cardiac arrest. Right there on national TV. It was a terrible thing. He's a young guy. He's a professional athlete. But what happened next was anything but routine. Of course, the ambulance came and the players knelt and people prayed and the game, of course, was canceled, messing a lot of things up in the NFL. But, but something more than that happened. If you were watching the game... Uh, the replay of this momentous event on ESPN the next day, you, you, you saw something else quite remarkable. Dan Orlovsky, the former Lions quarterback, a current ESPN commentator, he did something, he did something remarkable. Um, football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm-hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like, thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say, like, we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want to, it's just on my heart that I want to pray for It is. Damar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard. 
uh, because we believe that your God and coming to and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad, we're angry, um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful. Respectfully. I'm not sure which went more viral. What happened on Monday night or what happened on Tuesday? A thing that was awful and a thing that was awesome at the same time. Now, now for folks here at Northside, seeing a, a Christian man praying openly, sincerely, passionately, to be honest, that's, there's nothing new about that. I mean, if, if Justin Abraham was an ESPN commentator, that's what we would expect, right? We see that, we understand that, but, but we need to take a step back and clearly understand that for the world, this is a novel thing. They, they don't understand what being in Christ is all about and how it permeates everything you do and every action that you take, no matter who you are, whether you're a multimillionaire, former quarterback, or, or, or what you do for a living, it impacts everything. You know I'm not a sports guy. I really don't know much about Dan Orlovsky, but there was something about him, something that seemed familiar. So I did what you, what you do when you don't know who someone is. You, you Google stalk them. And I found Dan's Twitter page, and it says he's married. He says he has four kids. Retired NFL quarterback. I knew that one. And then the very last thing. Follower of Jesus. Aha. I knew there was something familiar about Dan. It's a great example. It's a good reminder. But can I say gently... uh, Accident, something so tragic as Monday night shouldn't have to be what it takes to make our nation notice the power of prayer and more specifically the power of the God that we pray to. And so what if, what if we follow Dan's example this week and for all the weeks of 2023? What if today you went home instead of scrolling Facebook mindlessly you just posted, I am a praying, believing follower of Jesus, and I'd like to pray for you, or more specifically, as Justin would say, how can I pray for you? What if we did that? What if tomorrow morning when you went to work, instead of engaging in idle gossip, you ask your coworkers, how can I pray for you? What if instead of going to school and being worried about who's wearing what and what's trending on TikTok, and what if you offered in the language that Gen Z speaks to pray with your peers 
who are increasingly more lonely and more isolated and more suicidal than they've ever been? That is what Jesus would call light. That is what Paul would say to the church at Ephesus, created in advance to do good works. That is what we and you and I are called as we always abound in the work of the Lord. May we be about that this year and all the years to follow. Read it again. Think about it. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Damar Hamlin is doing much better today than he was on Monday, I believe, and you do too, because of the power of prayer. May the world see a reawakening in us. Yes, we want to be anchored in God's ways, and we must always be committed to abounding in the work of the Lord. Let us be anchored in his word. Let us be abundant in his ways. This morning, I want to make an invitation to anyone who doesn't know Christ, who hasn't made the decision to follow Christ. If you haven't made that decision to profess with your mouth and to profess your faith that you have in him, to put him on in baptism, we'd be honored to help you do that. We'd be honored to help walk with you as a Christian. We'd be honored to pray with you and encourage you and help you grow into who God has you and intended you to be. Or if you're a Christian and you're just struggling, you feel like you've been hit by Satan again and again and again, and, and you're just not sure. If you need the prayers of our elders, if you need the prayers of this congregation, I'm going to make an invitation to both of those kinds of people. If you have a need either way, Right now as we sing this next song, I want you to head to the back. We have shepherds at each exit who will be there to help you, to pray with you if need be, to ask the congregation to pray with you if need be, to baptize you into Christ if need be. Whatever your need might be, we'd be honored to help you with it. Won't you come? Uh, We'll sing right now. Head to the back as together we stand.